Hey everybody, welcome to the 20th episode of the Mendoza Line podcast. My name is Cam and I am joined by my good friend Nick all the way across the country. What's up? Uh, just recovering a little bit. Uh, first NFL Sunday. My beloved Colts lost to your beloved Lions, which I've appreciated you didn't really rub in my face. <laughs> but very, very, very frustrating game to watch. Um, kind of the same old, same old on our end of things. But I mean, happy for the Lions and Jim Caldwell. I'm sure that was that was a big one for him coming back to the team that fired him last. That had to feel good. Oh, I'm sure it did, but I rem- I was uh I was at work, so I only got to watch the last uh drive where the Lions took the uh, go-ahead field goal and the one where they drove 50 yards in like 10 seconds. Well, yes, this this is true. Um Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback, uh which is, you know, uh, nice. The the sad thing though is I just thought we're going to find a way to lose this game. Like we're going to find a way. And then Stafford throws to Marvin Jones, who catches, runs for like 10 yards, and instead of stepping out of bounds, he's literally two inches from the sideline, he decides to dive for an extra two yards. And they zoom in on Stafford, and he is livid, just screaming, get out, get out, get the expletive out. Like, he is pissed, so mad, because we had to use our last time out, and then they decided, oh, we're going to run another play. Instead of just kicking the field goal then, and thankfully he just threw it out of bounds, but those those 30 seconds of him staying in bounds and then us running another play with no timeouts left in the middle of the field is just, we're going we're gonna to blow this game because that's what the Lions do. But luckily, um, and you know, I think somewhat arbitrarily we won that game. I think it could have gone either way based on the very little that I saw. Yeah, it was a good game. We, I was a little frustrated because... Yeah, the Lions definitely gave the Colts an opportunity at the end when they missed the extra point, and then the Colts drove down almost too fast. I was like, we have to score, but only with like 15 seconds left. And then we called a timeout with like a minute 15, and we ended up scoring with like 39 seconds, and we just gave too much time for the Lions. So a little frustrated with the time management there at the end, but it's good to have Andrew Luck back. He was amazing. Didn't turn the ball over. So it's uh it's weird. I've been so into baseball this year with this podcast and I don't know, I've just been into the minor league aspect of the Reds that football season kind of snuck up on me and football there's just there's there's so few games and so much is so much emotion is in every game. It just took a lot out of me today. Maybe I'm getting too old. <laughs> but <laughs> I've my, I've had my heart broken too many times. Baseball, I feel like, especially this year when I knew the my team was going to be bad, I I protected my heart and I've just been able to enjoy it. So maybe I should just do that for all sports. Just have no expectations. I find that's one way to never be disappointed. Just never, never love again. Yep, have zero ambition in life, just none whatsoever. Oh, that sounds depressing. Didn't mean to go down that road. <laughs> uh, real quick, shameless plug for other Super Megacorp stuff. If any of our uh, listeners here for the Mendoza line also enjoy college football, we have um, a college football blog 
that we post currently right now just a uh, week, once a week, kind of uh, top five things to to um, note from the previous weekend of football. So we'll have week twos coming out here tomorrow. Um, so you can go to supermegacorp.net and then click on the college football button at the top and you'll be there. All I know is the video of Jim Harbaugh picking his nose and eating his boogers better be on that top five list. I don't know what you're talking about. Because that was, that had to be up there from, from last weekend's games. I don't, I don't really feel like that's as exciting as, you know, a field goal returned 109 and a half yards. A grown man picked his nose and ate his booger on national television. <laughs> Sorry, I had to, I had to um, stop my gag reflex there. Was, dinner was coming back up. Just, ugh. Why do you bring that up? That's so gross. <laughs> but yeah, I am, I'm doing well. It's uh, good to be back. <laughs> back to the original question. <laughs> back to the original question. Yes. All right. Uh, this is the 20th episode, which is very exciting. We've only got a little while left before uh, before October hits and we get into the playoffs. So let's, uh, let's jump into this wild card uh, race because things are getting interesting. That is where the action is definitely at this year. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of teams in the American League. There's going to be so many disappointed people in a few weeks when the season's over because there's, there's a lot of different teams that have the possibility of getting one of those two spots. I know it's kind of insane that, you know, we, we've been talking about the wild card a few times recently, and we've kind of focused in on those AL East teams and the Tigers. And now we've got another AL East team, the Yankees, who have been on a roll lately and are now tied with the Tigers two games back of the Orioles and Blue Jays. And now Houston as well is their three games back. The Mariners are four, three and a half and the Royals are four. So that's going to be tough. I mean, the Mariners and Royals have too many teams to jump over unless they just, you know, do that crazy thing that the Rockies did uh, in the mid or like 10 years ago where they won like 20 of their last 21 games. But I mean, that's seven teams within four games of each other. I know. It's that's insane. crazy. That's great for Major League Baseball. That's why well, they... The entire last month of September matters now. Like, every yeah. single game for seven teams matters. If it, was just, if it was just the one wild card, it would... I mean, only one slot for those six teams just adds or takes away a lot of possibilities. But if you add that one more just gives teams even like the Royals who are you know four games back with about 20 to play a fighting shot um they can still play whereas it's just if you have to jump over five teams for one spot that would be pretty impossible but it definitely adds a ton of intrigue and all those teams seem to be playing pretty well um yeah, except the, the Tigers the, just lost two in a row to the Orioles, which is yeah, the, not what we needed to do there. The Tigers, that hurts them a little bit, but they're still right there. And the Blue Jays have kind of they were leading the East there for a little bit, but they they're gone three and seven over the last ten, so they've dropped back behind the Red Sox a couple games. That was a big series uh, between the Red Sox and Blue Jays. 
uh, this past weekend that the uh, Red Sox took two out of three from. But yeah, the Yankees kind of sold at the deadline, made kind of considered the winners getting all those prospects. And then they called up a few guys, Gary Sanchez, who's been amazing. He's a catcher in their system that that was one of those international signings that they signed him when he was 16. So he's been in their system for, you know, seven years now. And there's been kind of some prospect fatigue because he was pretty highly thought of, but you know, he's kind of been stuck in the upper levels and he finally got a shot and he's really uh, taken off with it. So he's a complete catcher. He's a great, got a plus plus arm, good receiver. And he's hit, I think 13 home runs uh, since this call up little over a month ago so he's a he's a big reason why they have kind of jumped in it and then some of it is just bringing up those young guys is really infused some energy I guess what's been reported on there's a lot more they play with a lot more energy you know you got all these young guys that are kind of giving that boost at the end of the season here um so yeah it's definitely they've kind of come out of nowhere to where they're 10 games over and only four back. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better about my Yankees prediction now. I mean, when it, once they sold everyone, like you mentioned, it didn't seem like they would. You just knew that. Yeah, I just, in my, in my clairvoyance, I just knew they're going to, you know, they're going to sell some big names, even ones they said they're not going to sell. They're going to call up these guys, and it's just going to be. Just go on a run. <laughs> just gravy. You're amazing. Oh, speaking, speaking of Gary Sanchez, I don't know if you saw this, but they tried to intentionally walk him the other day. And this raised pitcher, I don't know what he was doing, but it kind of looked like he was throwing this. He just threw this little blooper, and it almost looked like a curveball because it came back, and he swung and hit it. <laughs> it was kind of amazing. So Did he get on even, base? You know, I don't know what happened. I feel kind of dumb now, but just the mere <laughs> fact that they were trying to um, intentionally walk him and he still hit it was kind of amazing. I'll, f- I'll find out. But, yeah, he's kind of a growing into a legend now that he's doing what he's doing and then you can't even intentionally walk him. He's that good. <laughs> We're gonna have to come up with a an ESPN worthy uh, tagline for him. Like I think it was I've I've told you what they said about Adam Dunn a few years ago. I'm pretty sure it was John Butchergrass. It's like Adam Dunn, so strong, blows bubbles with beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna hit an intentional walk pitch, you need to have something clever like that said about you. So he didn't get a hit, but it was he hit it 400 feet um, for a sack fly. So, so it was a, it was a good out then. Yeah, he he got the run in because obviously they were trying to you know walk him to set up a double play, and yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> no thanks. I'll just get an RBI. What's interesting is with the new CBA coming up, they may just totally do away with the intentional walk. Like if you want to intentionally walk someone, you just tell the ump and they take first. 
So that's, it's kind of dumb idea. It's kind of funny because if, you know, this play is <laughs> kind of goes to the, oh, I just watched it. He almost hit it out. It w- The guy caught it in the middle of the warning track. He like happy Gilmore that he like jumped up. <laughs> You'll have to post this video. It's kind of funny. He yeah. Had, yeah. He like shuffled up. It was like a softball pitch and he hit it. He almost hit it out to center field. So that was incredible. Hmm. Well, yeah, you'll have to get me that link so we can put it in the show notes because you just don't see that every day. Indeed, you don't. So yeah, Yankees on a roll. The ale is going to be pretty interesting over this next three weeks, and then the National League definitely not near as many teams involved, but still very close between three teams: the uh, Marlins and pirates that have really kind of been left behind the pirates are terrible the reds took three out of four from them they just they looked really bad it's kind of shocking with how good they've been recently but the but the mets have rebounded and very nicely and have they're in the second wild card spot now it's all because they uh, signed tebow to a minor league deal yeah he uh he's a franchise changer do you see that he's he's still gonna do his SEC network gig? So he's gonna how le- he's gonna leave and do that job every Saturday during instructs this fall. What other minor league prospect would be able to get away with that? Well, this whole th- I mean, I think I would be much more interested in this if I felt like he was actually trying, but it just seems like a marketing grab. Because like if you but really, he's still got a team to sign him, which is crazy. I know, and they gave him a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. I mean, everything I've listened to, like his chance of making it to the majors is like zero. But I mean, he still he'll draw fans in the minors. I didn't even want to talk about this. Thanks for bringing this up. But that has to be why they gave him a contract. It's yeah, it's a marketing ploy for. For the Mets and for Tebow, his brand or whatever, I'm kind of over it, to be honest. He's a great guy. He does some good things, but he seems to enjoy the spotlight a little too much. Well, if I had such a strong jaw, I would enjoy it as well. <laughs> I uh, On my way home from working today to try and catch the end of the Colts-Lions game, I pulled up the uh, ESPN app on my phone, and it was like, oh, click here to listen. And I was like, okay, that's weird because this game's on Fox, but sure, I'll listen to it while I drive home. And it was MLB radio at ESPN, so, uh, you know, big face palm there, guys. <laughs> Not good. But it was this guy going on a rant about how Tim Tebow is going to get every – opportunity to succeed he's not going to earn a single thing he's going to be handed every single promotion because the Mets have their own very their very own uh, baseball Kardashian and I was just like whoa what's with all the hate like it just it was so um like full of bile and hatred for Tim Tebow and I'm like why why are you mad at him he convinced a team to pay him $100,000 to play baseball. Yeah. 
I don't understand why you think a he's gonna get promoted, and b that he's not gonna earn it, and c what does he have anything to do with the Kardashians? I I I don't uh, I didn't understand why this guy was so um like just venomous. Oh, it's because it's that's what that's why people listen. It's the hot take. And people don't like Tebow. That's, he's a pretty polarizing guy, but I uh, I don't think we need to spend too much more time talking about it because he's, he's 29, and he hasn't played like professional baseball for so long. Like, there's just he's no way. He's never played it. Full, full season A ball is like really hard and a huge proving ground, so... It'll be a nice publicity stunt. Maybe they'll... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. In two years, he'll be pulling Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders status. He'll be starting in the NFL and in the Major League Baseball. That's what's going to be happening. My thought is why... I'm totally kidding, by the way. Why... It was pretty obvious. Maybe that little success he had with the Broncos was just killer for him and like keep it because it was pretty obvious from day one that he was not an NFL quarterback um he should have you know tried to do this four or five years ago but you know great one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever like he was perfect for that Urban Meyer offense but can't really throw so that's not going to really work in the NFL but yeah that Tebow magic and uh, getting to play the Reds um, and Braves definitely helped get them back up um, over the, the Cardinals. So on a personal note, that would be pretty awesome for the Cardinals not to make the playoffs just because I'm tired of them. <laughs> and I want to watch somebody else. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll be root- I'm rooting hard for the Mets. So... All right, so that's that's the the wild card. It's wild, the yeah. wild card. <laughs> Never know what you're gonna get with the wild card, Nick. It's crazy. Yeah, we need some like drops or something that. Some what? Some like drops that you know those some of those radio shows have. Uh-oh. You know, you talked about doing the. Yeah, every time we record the show, I'm like, oh, I wish I had done that, and then I forget. And then we record again next week, and I'm like, oh, sound effects would be awesome. That, with all that, you know, that budget we have, we should be able to do something. Oh, you don't need a budget. It's they, <laughs> we can we can make them if we have to. Is that your favorite follow up? No, but it's the easiest one. <laughs> it's also very short. It is, and people. That's a great like psychological experiment there, because everyone. I wanted to say charge so bad, <laughs> I'm kind but of, I I'm disappointed you didn't. Just to try to prove myself that I could. Like, we there's so many societal things that you know, that sound comes up and we are just ingrained to say charge. I'm like why, and what does that even mean? What does charging mean in baseball? Uh, trucking the catcher not allowed anymore which is you know for the better but also very disappointing because there there are some epic uh catcher trucks when from when like the 90s i remember as a kid thinking how was he still alive yeah 
Adam Dunn had a had a few in his day. God, could you imagine a man that size running full speed at you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are wearing some protective equipment, so it's not like But the totally... catcher mask comes off if you sneeze. So that doesn't really count. Yeah. And I don't understand why they don't wear thicker chest protectors. Because those things seem comically thin. Considering someone's throwing a hard ball in the upper 90 mile an hour register at your body. It's true. Like the only sport that I think playing catcher slash goalie makes less sense than baseball is lacrosse. Mm. But you don't really hear of guys that, I don't know if they have too many issues with, like I've never heard of a catcher breaking a rib or, um, it's more of like the bat, like backswing that hits him in the head or, or the ball that they, the curveball that they miss and bounces up and gets them on like the, the thigh or the man area. Yeah. Or the, the knee, but I don't, you don't really hear about the, I guess cause if it hits the ground, it loses a lot of momentum. I don't know. It's just, I've never been a catcher, so I don't know. Oh, I was a catcher in the one season I played little league baseball. I caught I caught one half of one game because I don't understand how pe- their knees can handle that. Well, especially in the majors playing that many games. Yeah, that's that's why catchers, you know, wind up walking like they're John Elway. Um, but quick little story story time here. I played. Yes, I, played, I love cam stories. Yes, I played one season of little league, and that's when I realized that I'm terrible at baseball. And uh, there was one game where coach was like, all right, Cam, you're going to catch. I'm like, sure, that doesn't seem terrifying. And so it's just like the, you know, the, the city rec league. And so they just have one size fits all catching equipment. The helmet magically fits. Chest protector fits. Big floppy glove. The shin, knee, and foot guards are about an inch and a half too short for me because I'm a tall guy and have always kind of been on the taller side even though I've always been young um, and I'm like it's fine I'm I don't know 10 what do I know like the second or third inning I believe uh, I go to catch the ball and th- I don't know if it was some wicked slider or if I just wasn't paying attention probably the latter and it the ball bounces or ricochets off the edge of my glove and goes straight into like that soft part between your n- mm. uh, kneecap and like the actual yep. joint. And yep. I was laying on the ground crying in front of <laughs> God and everyone. Well, <laughs> and then, I'm and then, sure that hurt really bad. Well, and it did. And I was a little kid. And, but I was just, no, no, no. you know, I was just wailing like I got stabbed or something. And that was the last time I ever uh, caught a baseball. We've played catch before. Well, you know what I mean. As a catcher. <laughs> you just need to get a, net ta- a neck tattoo like Yadier Molina. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. My wife would love that so much. Speaking of jerks. My wife is not a jerk. You take that back. Billy Butler. <laughs> really? Not even really. nothing? <laughs> I'm trying to stay on point here again. <laughs> I know. You know that I don't think your wife is a jerk. Good. Billy Butler got released by the A's, which is interesting because he still has a whole nother year 
on his deal. He signed a three or $30 million deal last year and the A's are pretty conscientious. Uh, you know, they're not, they don't have money to spend around because in baseball, like when you get released, the, t- the player still gets the money, but so obviously they didn't, w- they didn't want him around anymore. Um, it's, there's, there's definitely quite a bit of backstory with this. I've just, I've heard another like podcast just in general or stuff that I've heard about Billy Butler, but he's kind of a, yeah, he's kind of a jerk. No one really likes him. He kind of keeps to himself. And um, it kind of came to a head um, a little over a month ago. He uh, got in a fight with his teammate, Danny Valencia, and suffered a concussion when Valencia uh, punched him in the head. (laughs) But (laughs) evidently what happened was... um, I guess Valencia was talking to an equi- equipment rep of the team and he basically like tattled on Valencia and said that he uses spikes that are like that he shouldn't be using. Like, I don't know if he's only supposed to allow to use like Adidas or something and he was wearing non-Adidas shoes. So basically like Billy was tattling on him to this uh, equipment rep. So then they started exchanging words and Valencia uh, punched him in the head and then he got a concussion. So he's kind of come back, and yeah, he uh, not getting along with his teammates, so they just cut him loose. And he also maybe the Diamondbacks will pay him like twelve million dollars. Yeah, I mean he's he's hitting two seventy six, but he has four home runs and thirty one RBIs in eighty five games. So that sounds about right. It's Billy Butler. He's not providing pretty much any other value except the bat. So I think the the A's just thought that was a sunk cost and uh, cut him loose. But, yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk about it because it's crazy. You just don't really see that happen where a guy just gets released like that, especially a guy making $10 million a year from a small market team, but also... Yeah, so do they have to pay him out his contract when they cut him like that? Yeah, I think what happens is he goes on waivers, and if a team claims him, then they assume his contract, but he's not going to get claimed. So they'll assume they'll have to pay out the rest of that, I, I think. And then he's free to sign with whoever. So he could theoretically, you know, join a contender and help them but like I said he's his production has been so bad he's not going to be a hot commodity but yeah I mean that you just I don't see that you don't see it where he becomes such a cancer in the clubhouse and so disliked that you kind of you know get cut yeah I, I always find it interesting when teams are just like meh 20 million that's fine just cut him loose like it's the yeah. it's such we'll give a give you twenty million just to leave. <laughs> he's like the Charlie Weiss of MLB. Yeah, lots of football references today. Yeah, it's we're we're feeling the fever, I guess. <laughs> this is always like in such a crazy time of year. There's especially if you still if you're into baseball, like most people transition away from baseball at this time. But if you, you know, they're a full slate of baseball games yesterday and today in a full slate of football games so it's kind of like sports overload which is great but it's also hard when you have a two-year-old kid who did not take a nap today so Uh we won't won't go there (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, she went to bed at like six tonight. She was pretty tired. That actually sounds magical. I know. It's crazy. But yeah, anyways, Billy Butler is free for the highest bidder. I'm sure that's gonna be a hot market. Yeah, don't all don't all speak up at once. All right, why don't you tell me about Rich Hill? Because this seems silly. Did you see this the other day? I did not. So yeah, he he was traded from the ace of the Dodgers around the deadline. You know, he's been having those blister problems. And he basically he's only he's only pitched a couple games for the the Dodgers now just because this blister has been a recurrent issue, but he was amazing yesterday. He made it through seven innings of a perfect game and you know, pitch count was under control and Dave Roberts took him out. And it was interesting because Roberts, the manager, said that he was um, I guess the trainers or something said something about it. Uh, you know, a heat spot on the finger, you kind of know where a blister is coming. So it's kind of a precautionary thing. And then Hill, after the game, said that he could have still pitched. So there's a little bit of, you know, what you know what really happened, what's going on here. So that was also, that's something you just don't really see a, a guy that has a perfect game who didn't overtly have an injury but you know <clears throat> I can understand where Roberts is coming from they have I think they lead the league in DL time especially for pitchers like McCarthy Casimir like all these guys they've been you know counting on even Kershaw have been hurt so I think he was just you know that's a pretty gutsy move to to take a guy out six outs away from a perfect game um, to keep him from getting a blister, but that, you know, I think his whole reasoning behind that was he needs him healthy for the playoffs. You know, he just got they just got Kershaw back. You know, he's going to be their, probably their number two starter in the playoffs. So, gutsy move by Roberts. I think the more that I think about that, the more I'm like, yeah, I think that that is the most, yeah, that's what he needs to do if he feels like, if the trainer's concerned he's going to develop another blister, you got to get him out of the game. Like, it's not worth it um, to be able to have him for later. But definitely left himself open for a lot of scrutiny. Well, I mean, I th- yeah, with without knowing the, the backstory of the blisters and the, you know, other pitchers' uh, DL time, I thought, why would you pull a guy who's got a perfect game going? That seems like, a cardinal, you know, unwritten rule of baseball. Uh, but yeah, with with the backstory filled in, yeah, you've got to preserve the people you need most in the playoffs, and that's your pitching. So it may be unpopular, but a, a, a healthy pitcher in the playoffs is better than a dude sitting on the DL or a guy that can only pitch like three innings because he's got, you know, blisters on his fingers. But Cam, there have only been... 23 perfect games ever in 140 years. Well, there's still only 23. Really? That's, that seems that seems low. Well, it's because it's so incredibly hard to do. There's just so many factors that go into it, including... Well, there should have been 24, but Jim Joyce screwed Armando Galarraga out of his, so... Man, that was a perfect game. I, I didn't know if that was a no-hitter 
man. If memory serves, it was a perfect game. You're I probably right. Could, I could be incorrect. We'll have to see if Gary can correct us on that one. It's, I mean, man, that's crazy. He's not even in the league anymore. That wasn't that long ago, was it? Uh, it was probably like six years ago. Yeah. Poor Jim Joyce. <laughs> crying I'm his eye. Crying yeah, his oh, eye I out. know. I'm going to feel really bad if it was just a no-hitter. We'll, uh, we'll get our fact-checkers on the case there. Indeed. All right. Why is Alex Bregman a stud? Just because he is. Oh, all right. Let's know. move on. Well, he... So that's a, this is a guy that I'm hoping the Reds' number two pick this year follows a similar route. He was the, the Nick Senzel, but Bregman, number two on the pick in the draft last year, basically is just raked. We talked about him as a futures game this year. He got off to a really slow start. He got called up um, by the Astros for their, the stretch run. Got off to a really slow start, but he has um, really come alive. Um, and is, I mean, this is going to be one of the superstars in the game as we move forward, I think. But, you know, he's got eight home runs in his first 43 games, and he's been hitting, you know, upper tier of that lineup. Um, has really kind of kept them afloat. And I just, I mean, that's just so difficult to do what he's done so quickly as a such a you know this is a guy that was playing college baseball last year and now he's uh, carrying a team you know to where they're still in the playoff hunt because of him so I just just more wanted to know how impressive he has been um when the MLB.com re-ranked their prospects mid-season he was their number one prospect so this is a guy that um kind of is bursting on the scene and man when you look at that team they're gonna have Bregman and Correa and Altuve uh, in their infield uh, that's those are all very, you know potential superstars too I mean I could argue that Correa and Altuve are already superstars Bregman gets there too that lineup has got it's just and then they've got some other guys coming up too and they've got Springer already. Um, that's just a solid team. They they just don't have any pitching right now. That's what's keeping them from uh, probably, you know, being in a better position than they are right now. Because even Keuchel there, the Cy Young from last year, who has had more of a down year, is uh, you know, may miss a few starts here. I don't know if he's going to be ready in time if they do make the playoffs. That's kind of killer. But there's just really nothing out there for him either. So, Bregman's a stud. Um, you'll probably be hearing from him a lot over the next decade or so. That's crazy to think. Like you said, next decade. Yeah, I mean, he's 20, 23. 20, I mean, he probably just turned 23. Well, it's just weird to think, um, like at our age, you know, we've seen... I mean, guys like Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Bartolo Colon, um, Ichiro, A-Rod, 
guys that just seem to play forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and just in in my mind have always been around. Like their careers never started. They were just there, you know, from the beginning of time. So it's just interesting to be, um, you know, this in touch with um, the sport that we are now getting to see. Or I'm, I'm getting to see and getting to understand who the next generation of potential studs are before they are that. Yeah. He's you not, and and he, th- not going to be 23 till March 30th. So Yeah. And so to think that, you know, we're potentially like going to see guys like Correa or Mookie Betts or, you know, any of the other uh, Dansby Swanson or whoever else winds up being you know, the, the top guys um, for this generation, just being in from the beginning is going to be interesting, you know? Yeah, we're getting old. I mean, got, I mean, Joey Votto, as a Reds fan, is kind of crazy. Joey Votto turned 33 yesterday. So not that, you know, he's still got some solid years ahead of him just because his game is more apt to. Uh, age better because he's not a you know a, a huge slugger or whatever he a lot of his value is getting on base but you know we're transitioning as you know as a Reds fan you know we've got transitioning to some of our younger guys and Sinzel who hopefully will be up next year that's a you know that's a kid who just graduated from college and um could be you know he's just like Bregman and it's it's fun, it's exciting, um, but yeah, it's it makes me feel old, you know. Today being September 11th, you know, the 15th anniversary, it, yeah, it kind of that hit, is crazy. It kind of hit me that you know the college freshmen that are here are 18, so they were three years old when that happened. Um, so like I distinctly remember, you know, 15 years ago where I was and how that happened, and I'm like the kids that are in college now. There were three that have, that's just something that they read, like read in the textbook or saw on the TV as like something they didn't remember happening. So life has a funny way of, um, kind of moving past and yeah, um, uh, the players that we, you know, we grew up watching the Randy Johnsons and the Roger Clemens, Andy Pettits, like they've, they're all long gone now. <laughs> so and even some of the guys lately, you know, Vado, I remember he was in his prime kind of when I was in college, and now he's 33 and starting to exit it. But, man, that's depressing. That's what I'm here for, man. But it's also exciting. Like, it's these new young guys will be fun to watch. Do you so, think that Vado will wind up on an American League team by the end of his career? You know, that is a good question. I could see it like his last year or two and I could see it with the Blue Jays because he's a Toronto resident. Oh really? I didn't know he was Canadian. Yep, he's Canadian, but he has a full no trade clause. Like he he's pretty he's pretty content to stay here. I think he's not a big like out front guy. I think he likes the smaller kind of out of the limelight of um, Cincinnati, but he's got full no trade and a big contract. I mean, there's just no way in the near future I could see it happening unless, yeah, a team like Toronto or, you know, really steps up. But 
So that's the thing. I mean, he's a, uh, unless he just can't like feel his position anymore. He's still like his, his game is still going to age well because like I said, he's not a, he just, his game is not on power. He's not slugging home runs. He's, you know, walking to, you know, hitting good pitches for doubles and getting a hold of a few, but I mean, that's something he's, that's not going to diminish. I don't think super quick. And he stayed relatively healthy the last few years. So I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but, um, it is interesting if, uh, if he ever, if he does in his career at a, at a place like Toronto, being a resident there, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. I was just curious, you know, American league is always looking for a guy that can bring off the bench or as a DH that can provide quality hitting. And so, like you said, his skills probably won't diminish such that, you know, a speedster or a mega power hitters would as they age, but he seems to be kind of in that sweet spot of being a smart, intelligent, patient hitter. And yeah. that doesn't that doesn't go away with age. You know? Yeah. He, uh, he's definitely will go down as one of my favorite players of all time just because he's just so good and I think I get to watch him every day and I don't realize how good he is until I step back and look at where he ranks among players today. And it's even with the slow start this year, he's one of the more valuable offensive players, but he's just so underappreciated because he's not a, he's not a basher. Like he doesn't have super high home run RBI totals, but he leads the league in, um, on base percentage. He's like third in OPS behind like trout and, um, yeah, like some of the best players in the game. He scores a tons of ton of runs, even on a bad team. So I don't know, like, I remember reading, I think he needs to have, you know, four or five really good years. Um, and I think he could be a real good candidate for the Hall of Fame, just um, being as consistent as he has. So, I mean, uh, as a fan, I don't, I don't, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope he continues to produce, but. Sports is one of those arenas that, you know, things change from year to year and you just, you never can say never. Like I would have never, another football reference, I would have never guessed that Peyton Manning would have played for anyone else besides the Colts, but four years ago happened and here we are, so. Indeed, sports. Sports. All right, should we talk about our last thing? I think we should. I think that's a great idea. See, I just, this uh, little article came out on one of the Reds blogs this week, and um, I know my dad has particular feelings about this person, but I wanted to hear (laughs) your thoughts as well. So the Reds manager, um, we have some young pitchers that are kind of facing some potential inning limits here. They've, you know, they haven't pitched near, amount of innings over that takes in a full major league season so especially Brandon Finnegan who he's been one of our only starters that's made it through the whole year but he's getting to the point now where he's thrown like 30 more innings than he's ever thrown before so I think he started today and I think he's gonna have one more start before I shut him down but Brian Price decided to go on this little tangent about um um, innings limits and pitch counts, and he basically suggested that 
the way that they do it now is kind of arbitrary and ineffective with the amount of surgeries and injuries that pitchers are still having the whole idea of like coddling you know young pitchers by not letting them throw um or not having these age limits or limiting their pitch counts so he's kind of like these injuries are still happening so what like we shouldn't do it like we're doing it um so it brings up an interesting interesting question and debate i think i have my thoughts on it um and I know there's some smart people and smart organizations that are beginning to do more research on this and how to maybe more effectively prevent injury. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I think at the end of the day, my thought is there's never going to be a perfect uh, process for this just because throwing a baseball in the mid-90s is just so unnatural and so terrible for your body that there's just never going to be a way to fully prevent injury, but... What are your thoughts? Well, I think his point of, look, we have the system in place and injuries are still happening, or, or sorry, injuries are still happening, uh, is true and valid. And, you know, it goes back to the old adage of... And his point is that they're happening at a much higher rate than they used to. Like when pitchers used to throw a lot more innings. Yeah. And so I think... but. Uh, like the old adage of, you know, the the result you're getting is because the system you have in place is perfectly set up to produce those results, you know? So if you're fat, it means that you're probably eating a lot of things that you shouldn't be eating and not being active. And so therefore the result is, you know, makes sense. Or if you're very fit, it's because you eat healthy, you're active and you do the things that are required in order to be fit. Uh, and so I think to that point of like, yeah, we have the system in place and these injuries seem to be occurring more frequently. Uh, and so we need to change it. I think that part of his argument is sound. Uh, now what it changes to, I think is where the debate lies. And, uh, you know, I would say stop throwing curveballs first of all, cause that's terrible. Sliders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything like that where you're just torquing your arm more so than anything else is like yeah that it sure makes it harder to hit but it also makes it harder to use your arm the rest of your life right yeah i think first of all in comparison to 20 30 years ago players are throwing much harder than they were back then so that i think that has more to do with it than the the innings part of it and i think uh pitchers are you know training more year round whereas in the past you know, guys weren't making a ton of money, so they would do other jobs in the off season. Where, you know, players now they kind of they train, they throw all off season. So what's the differences with that? So there's a lot more like that goes into this, just with the innings limits things. I think that it is unwise to, especially with the younger arms, to throw them um, over 200 innings in a year. That just that's so many innings that you think about all the warm-up pitches like you just i think there is something to building up to that well let me let me throw this out there i'm gonna interrupt you i'm sorry go for it very rude on my part uh but what what if they expanded the starting rotation from five to like six or seven pitchers so you're only pitching you're pitching less right well I think the issue there is 
some there's rust involved with having too many days in between. I don't know. Yeah, but what, wouldn't they just adjust? Yeah, but I mean, there's it, there's a you, competitive advantage to having your best pitchers pitch more frequently, right? Yeah, but what's more important, competitive advantage or having people that can actually pitch because their arms function? Well, like there has to there has to be a balance there. If you're a manager and you're trying to win games, your best pitcher, you're going to pitch him as many times as you can. You're not worried about his long-term health because you could be fired at the end but, of the year. But see, that's like that's the problem. Is right. that is that these leagues and you know these businesses are geared at winning because it's about money and you get more money if you win because you can put more butts in seats and sell more beer and sell more popcorn. So the the issue in my in my estimation lies in the fact that the best long term interest for the players' health is not what these organizations have in mind. Though they have these uh, innings limits, though they have trainers and rehab people and and all these crazy. The, the only reason they have those is so that they can be as competitive as possible. So my thought is, like, if they actually gave a crap about, like, really genuinely, their concern was the health and, and uh, well-being of their players versus winning, then it would look a lot different. And so I don't know how you're going to have uh, teams that are so focused on winning that are, they're going to throw their number one guy out there three games in a seven-game series. Right. Because they want to win and they don't care if he blows his arm out. Right. Which most most teams, like your best pitchers, you don't risk it too much because they do. They want them for the long term. But there, there are a few pitchers that, you know, I think it's more in like the blowouts or the extra inning games where you, you use guys for too long just because you can't, you don't have another option. But I just think there's a few things that just don't seem healthy. And that's like... Especially when about relievers that that come in and throw in the mid nineties, and they throw like ten pitches one night, and then they're done, and they come back the next night and do the same thing. It's like that short, the short spurts of of high effort, high energy, like that just cannot be good for your arm. I don't know. I think I don't think there's a prescribed like one hundred pitches like you should be done just because some guys are bigger, they're stronger, they can go longer. Um. But I also don't think that 150 pitches is probably good either because no, that very rarely happens in the majors just because no pitcher has that type of endurance. And I think the, the biggest issue is fatigue causes a breakdown in mechanics and um, there's more prone proneness for injuries there. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I'd, I'm... I get a, a hint of like tough old guy stuff with the the innings limits thing, but I maybe it's somewhere in the middle of yeah, maybe we don't need to prescribe that a pitcher can't go over twenty innings of what he pitched in the previous season, but I think we do need to make sure that, and I think it's in the best interest of obviously the organizations, but the man it needs to be in the best interest of the managers too to take care of their arms. And instead of, you know, using that, the best bullpen arm as many times as you can, like maybe throwing them a couple innings and making sure they get a couple of days off no matter what, just to protect their arm in the long term and making sure they're not throwing more than a hundred or a certain number of pitches in a week or something. I don't know. Um, but it's tough because, yeah, I think every pitcher is different. 
And at the end of the day, you're doing something that is very injury prone for the body. Um, throwing a ball that, that velocity. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting and it definitely, there's a lot of discussion about it within the industry now and until there's more, there's leaders or headway with, uh, entry injury prevention from what we are now, but because Tommy John is just such an epidemic and it's just, um, very difficult and takes so much time to come back from Homer Bailey had his, um, you know, May of last year and he's still like coming back from that. He's probably not going to be fully healthy until next year. So almost two years since his surgery. So it's a career for a lot of pitchers as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a bummer. But, I mean, you also got to wonder, too, like, these guys know what they're getting into. And so how much does that weigh into, you know, but that's a slippery slope because you could be like, well, NFL players knew what they were getting into, and now they all have concussions. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just, I, it's just, it's a very, very tricky. I'll never, like, fault a pitcher for going after as much money as they can. Because you never know when you're going to throw your last pitch. Um, that's why they're valued pretty highly. And people like Kershaw especially get the money that they do. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it kind of goes along with football. Like, I don't feel bad for those guys to hold out and get the money while they can. Because there's such risk that comes with that occupation. You know, we're all we're all just day to day though. You know, my knee's been hurting lately, but I'm I'm fighting through. I'm still going to work. <laughs> still being a dad. You know, we gotta do what we gotta do. Indeed. All right. I think that's it, man. And by the time we get to next week we will have like two weeks of the season left. That's crazy. Yes. What is going to happen this last three weeks? Some teams are going to win. Some teams are going to lose. Some people are going to cry. Probably me, because my team probably won't make the playoffs. But hey, it's okay. We'll find out. That's what that's what uh, you know. We do this for is is to see the exciting unknown come to fruition. <laughs> Astute analysis, sir. Indubitably. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> You had to get that in there, didn't you? Mm, yes. All right. Well, until next time, Nick. See you later. Adios.